So my name is Jasper. I'm the executive pastor here to any of you who are visiting. Um, love this church, love these people. Um, very honored to get to fill the pulpit and preach. We've been working through a series this summer in the Psalms uh, called uh, Aligning Yourselves with God's Heart. Aligning Ourselves with God's Heart. And so each week we've been reading through a different psalm and looking at how the psalmist or the author that wrote that was showing us a way that we can uh, realign ourselves with God and with His heart and with His attributes through all kind of walks of life. So that's what we've been doing every week. We're going to continue to do that today. We're going to be in Psalm 118. So if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. We're going to jump in here in just a second into Psalm 118. Before we do, I want to just kind of ask a question, bring something up to you guys this morning. Have you ever noticed how, as human beings, we have a tendency to look back and remember major events in our lives. We do this all the time in different ways for different reasons. This could be good things. It could be bad things. Usually major events that have shaped us in some way. We look back on those things. We remember those things. And we do this often. Sometimes we hang pictures on our wall of you know, our kids growing up or our wedding or birthdays or holidays, happy memories. You know, we have pictures we could go in someone's house, you see vacations and just all kinds of things. Good, good memories, ways to recall and remember good times in our life. It's, it's very rare that we hang pictures of bad memories in our homes. You don't usually walk into someone's home and see a, a picture of their, like them sitting in a hospital bed post-op after an appendectomy. Like, <laughs> that's not very common, you know. Uh, you're not going to see pictures of that awful bike wreck that your kid had where they're all skin up and just squall and there's, you know, there's the picture on the wall. We don't do that. And, and it's because we don't want to relive those moments, right? Those are bad memories. Let's just forget about that and move forward. But the good times we like to remember. We like to go back to that place and recall how we felt and try to relive those feelings and hang on to those memories. I just got back from a a fishing trip a couple of weeks ago with family that was fantastic. We had a great time. I'm ready to go back already, and I'll cherish those memories forever. So we took pictures, of course, and, and we'll hang on to those, and, and it was good. So, so we like to remember the good times in life. We, write, we like to remember the times when, when good things happen, and we don't like to remember the bad times, but we do, especially major events that shape us, like I've talked about. Either way, my point is that we use different uh, mediums or different ways to do this, whether it be pictures, whether it be photo albums, whether it be um, uh, keepsakes, like, you know, maybe your kid's socks or something. I mean, just different things, Christmas ornaments. There's different ways we do this. Um, wedding rings are a reminder, right? We wear these to remember a vow we made and to help us recall that day and remember this covenant we've made with our spouse. And so we remember through a variety of different things. One of the ways that we remember is through music, through songs. So there are all kinds of songs out there that help express human emotion and recall to mind, uh, call to mind feelings. So we've got happy music that makes you wanna jump around and dance and shout. We've got uh, the blues. We've got uh, songs about, you know, dogs running off and mamas getting hit by trains. We've got all these songs that evoke emotion and help us remember and recall things. And so most of us love music. And at some point in our life, we've had a song that just 
man, it resonated so deeply. We felt like that song was written about me. Like, they wrote that song about me. Someone's been in my head. I know it, you know. Like, I could have wrote that myself. I know for me, uh, when I was a kid, in the, in the, sometime in the early 90s maybe, Garth Brooks was the thing, man. Like, everybody loved Garth Brooks. And he had this song called The River. Do y'all remember that song? <laughs> it was so cheesy. Um, that song, the summer that came out, my grandparents took me and my brother and my cousin <clears throat> to the beach in Florida. And so back then, we didn't have Spotify and iTunes and all that. So we're listening to the radio and we're just like, fingers crossed that that song will come on. And when it did, the whole car is like, wow, we're singing it out, you know. And my grandparents, by the end of that trip, hated Garth Brooks and that song. But we loved that song. We just, I mean, it's not that we resonated with it. We were kids, but we just loved it. You know, we wanted to sing it. And so we as Christians are no different. We use things like songs to help recall things, right? So we've, we've sang in here this morning. We sing songs every Sunday that we gather together as a way to remember what the Lord has done, as a way to recall the things that Christ did for us. It's a way to recall those things and, and help us remember that. We do communion, which is a remembrance thing that the Lord himself instituted uh, in doing that. So that's a way we recall the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We remember that he gave himself on a cross. Of course, we read from this book, which is a great way to remember. This tells the story. So we read from this weekly. The things we do in our service are things we are doing as a way to remember and recall and keep that message saturated in our minds and on our hearts. So my point is this. All these things, pictures, songs, all this stuff, help us remember, help us recall. And that's good. We need to do that. We as Christians need to constantly be remembering what the Lord has done on our behalf, what God has done, the sacrifice that Christ made for us. We need to remember that. We need to recall it. And it should evoke something in us. It should lead us to worship the Lord. And so that is going to be our, our big idea today. That's our main point. That's the, the sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes, God's people should remember his steadfast love and praise him for it. Now, notice I didn't say that when we remember it, like if we happen to remember it, then yeah, it should lead to praise. Like, no, we should be proactively, constantly seeking ways to remember God, remember his goodness, his steadfast love, and in doing so, it should always lead to praise for him from us, okay? That is exactly what the psalmist was doing in Psalm 118. He was recalling the good deeds of the Lord to the people, remembering what God had done and urging them and encouraging them to praise in response to God's goodness. And so we're going to look at that now. Before we jump in, a few things about Psalm 118. There are a few uncertainties that we don't really know for sure, but we, we can make good guesses on. So number one, we're not real sure. We can't be certain who the author was, but it is very, very likely that it was David. Okay, so we're going to see that as we read this. That when, when, you, when you know David's the author, you see as we read through this the things that were happening. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. So most likely was David. This psalm was most likely written after he had secured the kingdom for himself. So when he first became king, there were nations all around waging war with David, with Israel. And so after he had defeated the foes and had the kingdom established, that's probably when this was written. It might have been sung as the Ark of the Covenant was brought to the city of David. 
Uh, it was later probably sung at the Feast of the Tabernacles. The, the people had many uh, ceremonies and holidays throughout their calendar year where they would sing these songs and have these festivals. So this would have been a, a, a song, a psalm is just a song. This would have been a song that they sang at this festival, and they would have used it frequently. Now what we do know, some, some hard facts about Psalm 118, this is the last book and what is called the Egyptian Hallel. It's Psalms 113 through 118. And these are all psalms of praise to God for his goodness. And these would have been used frequently in these uh, ceremonies, in these festivals. This would have been their, their common hymn book of songs everybody knew by heart. So like some of the songs we do, like we did one today that's fairly new that most of us don't know the words to and we're singing along kind of like as we're doing it. But then another one comes on and you're like, oh, I've been singing this for years. You don't even have to look. You just know it by heart. These psalms would have been that. They would have known these well. They were used a lot. So this psalm is one of those. Now, this is really interesting. I love this. I didn't know this about Psalm 118. This psalm of praise to God for his goodness would, was saying, part of it was saying, during Jesus' triumphal entry as he entered into Jerusalem riding the donkey by the people that were shouting Hosanna in the highest. They would have sang part of this psalm to Jesus. This psalm was also used and sung by Jesus and his disciples during the Last Supper. So this, was a, this is a very significant psalm. Not that the others aren't, but this one and these particular psalms would have been used a lot. They would have been very common. People would have known them. And I know for me, a lot of times, if I land in this part of my Bible, usually Psalm 119 is the one everybody goes to, but we can't skip over Psalm 118. It is awesome. So let's read it. But before we do, let's pray really quickly that God would speak to us through his word and that it would be his message that we hear today and not me. Okay, so let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful again to be in this place today. Lord, we love you. We are grateful for all that you've done for us. We pray now that you speak to us through your word, that you open our eyes and our, our ears and our hearts to receive your message, that we would reflect on these words and that they would pierce our hearts. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let Israel say, his loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let the house of Aaron say, his loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, his loving kindness is everlasting. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place, or set me free, as most of your translations will say. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes." All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished as a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, 
but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our, si in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Amen. So the psalmist here, most likely David again, bookends this psalm with this call to worship by calling on the people to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. He begins and ends it with the same, same words, same phrase. Verses 1 through 4 and verses 24 through 29 are both a call to worship, if you will, much like what we do at the beginning of each service where we recite our call to worship. So David is telling the people to praise God because he is good. But how do we know that? How do we know that God is good? It's, it's not enough to just say, praise God. He's good. He's good. Praise him. Like, we need to know he's good. We need to see that he is good. And so David shows them that God is good and we should praise him through the body of this psalm. So verses 5 through 23 are David's proof on why we should do this and, and how and why it happens. He lays out a very simple pattern for his call to worship here. This is a fairly lengthy psalm, so I'm not going to go through every single verse and expound on it. What I want to do is kind of jump around a little bit and try to put the pieces together so that we get the overarching big picture of this psalm. And what I would like to do is do this in a way that it evokes the same response in us that David was trying to get out of his listeners, that we would praise the Lord because of his goodness and his steadfast love after we've looked at this. So, in this call to worship and looking at this psalm and wanting to praise the Lord, there are a few steps in this that David takes in writing Psalm 118 to get people there. So step one in this call to worship is to remember your distress. If you're taking notes, just write down, remember your distress. Step number one. So in this, David recalls a former distress that he was going through. He recalls times of testing or trial. So remember, first of all, in, in getting to this place of praising the Lord, remember where you were. Remember your previous condition before the Lord saved you. Or maybe remember a trial or something you were going through, a time when you were depending on the Lord to get you through something. You were leaning on Him, and He was your only hope. Remember those times. 
That is exactly what David is doing in Psalm 118. Immediately after telling the people to praise God because God is good and His steadfast love is everlasting, immediately after saying this, he jumps right into, in verse 5, from my distress I called upon the Lord. So he, he begins to quantify this, to say here's why we can praise God. From my distress I called upon the Lord. He's remembering this time that he went through this distress or this trial. And if you look at verse 10, all the nations surrounded me. Again, if we roll with the assumption that this is David writing this, then this most likely would have been referring to when he first took over the kingdom and all these other nations were waging war on David, going to war, trying to defeat them. The Philistines, the Moabites, the Syrians, and the Ammonites all waged war on David when he took over the kingdom as king. Verse 13, you pushed me violently so that I was falling. This is referring to his enemy. So through these, these couple of verses here, we see David's recalling these times of distress, recalling this time when he was under great persecution or attack. He's re recalling times of anguish that he's experienced in his own life. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, says this about David doing this in this psalm. He says, most people, when life is good, do not want to speak about their former depression. But here, David takes every opportunity to remember his lowly state. So why? Why would he do this? Why would David recall these bad times, this distress, this anguish? Well, this is a very crucial element to praising God. We have to remember what we've been saved from, right? Don't miss that. We have to recall our former condition and what God has brought us out of. That is why even during our call to worship, we start with, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort. We're acknowledging that life is not always roses. We go through tough times. We go through valleys and hilltops, but it's in those moments that we can look back and see God at work in our lives. And that's what David is doing here. He's recalling a time when he was leaning so hard on God to get him through something. So how does that lead us to praise? Recalling the bad times. How does that lead us to praise? Well, that leads us to step number two in this call to worship, if you're taking notes. Remember God's goodness. So look at verse 5 again in our text. From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place, or set me free. So let me just talk about that for a moment. I'm reading from the NASB. It says a large place. So there's some words here. Uh, that word distress can also be translated as narrow straits or dire straits bad situation, tough times, world's closing in on you. And then that word set me free can be translated as large place or a big open room full of comfort and security that you feel safe in. So God brought me from my distress. He set me free, brought me from the narrow closing in place to the open place of comfort and safety. God delivered David here. In verse six, he says, the Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So he's placed his faith in the Lord. He's leaning on the Lord in this distress so much so that it melts away all of that doubt, all of that anxiety or fear. He says, what can man do to me if God is on my side? We sang a song about that this morning. The point is that when David was going through this trial, he called upon the Lord and the Lord answered him. God was faithful to answer David in his distress. And David is remembering that. David is recalling and remembering the faithfulness and the steadfast love of the Lord. 
remembering that, remembering that God delivered him, that is the cause of worship. That is why David worships the Lord. That's why he's calling others to worship the Lord. He's saying, remember that. Remember that situation you were in. Remember that I was in this situation and God delivered us. So he's worthy to be praised this morning. So remember, earlier I was talking about that usually we don't like to remember the bad times and bad memories, right? But they are good in that they help us to remember a time of distress and see God at work in it, okay? Now, if there's no God at work in that, if there is no faith in the Lord and, and love of the Lord in those situations, absolutely, they're to be avoided. Don't, don't remember that. Don't dwell on those things. But if we trust in the Lord with our whole heart, then we can look back at those moments and see where we, all we had was our faith in the Lord and He brought us through that, then that gives us reason to recall that and to praise Him. They're good things to remember. When we recall the, the pains of past hurts, we recall the sting of sin and death, and we allow ourselves to feel that again, it makes our deliverance all the more sweeter. So look at verses 10 through 14. He, he just goes on. The nations surrounded me. They surrounded me like bees. I was surrounded on all sides. But then in verse 13, the second half of it, but the Lord helped me. David's recalling the deliverance of God, his mercy and his faithfulness. So that's the second part in this. When we look back at those distresses, we can also remember that God is faithful, that God is good, that he brings us through that. Remembering God's goodness, remembering the steadfast love of God, remembering that he saved us and continues to do so every day, carrying us through each day, should evoke something in us. It should cause something to stir within us. I'm sure if I went around this room and I asked for personal testimonies that just about everybody in here would be happy to tell about a time when maybe they were going through a valley, they were going through a trial, and they were leaning so heavily on the Lord and He brought them through that. There would be story after story of God's goodness and His faithfulness to His people. I, I know you all have those personal stories in your own lives. And so, those are good to remember. It's good to remember times when God brings us through things. Sometimes we may not feel like praising God, especially if we're in one of those valleys. We may be currently going through a hardship or a trial, and I just I don't have it in me to put the smile on my face and to sing when I don't mean it. But in those moments, that's when it's so important to remember. Remember, you've been here before. You've been through trials. You were, you were not saved at one time, and God was faithful through that, even when you were a sinner. It's, it's important to remember in those times that God is good, even when we're not. Even if we're in a rut, we can't help but sing His praises when we remember all He's done for us. So when we're going through trials of various kinds, and the world seems like it is just crashing down around us, Verses like Romans 8.38 help us to do this, to praise God in the, in the tough times. It says, For I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, anything in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We need to remind ourselves of these things and keep these verses on our lips at all times. Also, verses like James 1, 2 through 4, which says, 
Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's good to recall that even in the trials, even in the testing, that God's working that together for our good. He's trimming us. He's pruning us in some way. We might not understand it. We might never understand it in this life. But we can trust that God is good in those moments. That He will, through that, shape us and mold us to be more like Him and help us align our hearts with His as this entire series has been about. So either way, whether good or bad, we must recall and remember the faithfulness and the love of the Lord toward us. And that leads to the third part of this call to worship that we're working through here. Step three is to remember to praise Him. So we can look back and remember distress, remember trial, but then don't stop there. Remember that God delivers and God is faithful and that He loves us in that, and then that should lead to praise in the end of it. When we look back on the faithfulness of the Lord. Again, Matthew Henry says, if God is our strength, He must also be our song. If He works in us all the time, which He does, then He must also receive praise and glory from us all the time. So in these verses of this, this psalm, we see a personal praise to God from David. It's very personal. He uses the word I a lot. In, in verses 5 through 18, he starts with this corporate call to worship, but then in verses 5 through 18, it's his personal story. I was in distress. I was surrounded on all sides, but God delivered me. God was faithful. This is David's personal testimony of God's goodness. Look at verses, uh, set, look at verse 17. It says, I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Verse 19, the second half, I shall enter through the gates. I shall give thanks to the Lord. Verse 21, I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The Lord delivered David. The Lord was David's rock and his hope. And he is saying that because of that, I will praise you. Let me in these gates. I have to praise the Lord. I have to tell of the things that he has done. After reflecting on his distress and God's deliverance, David says, I got to tell somebody. I have to praise. I can't not praise the Lord after what he's done for me. And then in verses 19 through 29, he changes, switches gears here and, and turns it back into a corporate call to worship. But let's together as a people praise God for his goodness and what he's done. So if you notice in these verses, uh, he, he talks about entering in through the gate. This was the gate leading to the temple. So this was a song that would have been sung again at the Feast of the Tabernacles as they were entering in, approaching the temple, going through the gates. David's saying, let me through these gates, through the gates of the righteous, so that I can go in and worship the Lord in the temple. This is the gate of the Lord in verse 20. He says, I shall give thanks. Again, he's declaring this. He's not suggesting this. He's declaring this. And then in verse 22, we see what is the kind of the apex or the highlight of this psalm. Verse 22 says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, David probably wrote this referring to himself in a sense or even the nation of Israel, but we all know what this verse means. In hindsight, we can look back and know exactly 
what this verse is talking about. This is one of the most prophetic verses in all of Scripture. We know this is talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That He was the stone rejected by the builders, but yet became the cornerstone. The one rejected by the rulers and leaders of that day became King of kings and Lord of lords. We know that this is talking of David, so talking of Jesus. Jesus quoted this verse and, and used it to describe himself in Matthew 21 and in the other Gospels. Peter also quoted this verse when referring to Jesus in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. I'm going to read that to you really quick. He says, He is the stone, talking about Jesus, He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Talking of Christ. So in verse 23, we see this is an act of God. It is marvelous in our eyes that the one who was rejected has now become the cornerstone, has now become the king. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is worth remembering. That is worth celebrating. That is worthy of our praise and our affection and our adoration that Jesus Christ, who was rejected, has become the cornerstone and offers salvation to us, that we place our hope in Him now. That's worth remembering. It's worth remembering verses like John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. And it's also remembering verses like Romans 5.8, that God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Those are things worth remembering. It is worth remembering who Jesus was and what He did on our behalf. In our distress, in our sin, in our darkness, God saves us. He loves us and saves us by sending His Son who was rejected but is now the King of kings, Lord of lords. That is worth remembering. That is worth celebrating. That is worth singing about. And then in our text in verse 24, David starts the ending call to worship where he comes back around full circle and tells the people again, praise and sing and celebrate God's goodness. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will bless you from the house of the Lord. So he's Referring to, again, they're, they're, this would have been sang during the festival of the tabernacle as they're approaching the temple. And as they go through the gates and they finally arrive in the temple, David is saying, this is the house that the Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. We're going to bless you from the house of the Lord. We're going to sing your praises. He's acknowledging that this would have been done during a time that was reserved, that was set aside to recall the good deeds of the Lord, recall His steadfast love to the nation of Israel and celebrate that and sing about that and worship God and praise Him for it. That's exactly what He's doing in these verses here. And it's beautiful the way it all ends with this corporate call to worship, this corporate praise. And what I love about that is that, guess what? Today, that's exactly where we are. And we no longer need a temple. We know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. But this is a day that we set aside each week to come in here and worship the Lord. To remember His good deeds. To remember what He's done for us. Through singing, through praying, through reading from this book. That's why we're here. 
to look back and reflect on the goodness of God, to praise Him and give Him all the honor and all the glory for all the things He's done in our life, for saving us. So that's why we're here, and that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to get ready to sing here in just a second. And when we do, I want us to keep in mind that that's what we're doing. We're recalling and remembering God's goodness to us. Let's sing and let's praise in that way. So, so if you're in this place today and you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sins, you have turned from the world and you follow Him. If that's you, I want you to remember your former state. Remember your life and remember you before the Lord saved you or maybe just recall a trial or a time or something you went through when you know God got you through that. God sustained you. And I want you to praise Him for His goodness today. 1 Peter 2, 1-10 through 10 says this. I want to read it to you really quickly. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babies long for pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. You don't, don't miss that. You're being built up to offer spiritual sacrifices. That's why you're being built up, to offer sacrifices of praise. For this is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who, was call, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as believers in this place today, don't miss verse 9. It says, you have been saved so that you can proclaim God's goodness, so that you can proclaim his excellencies. He called you out of darkness and into light. So we have been saved so that we can praise Him today. That's why we've been saved, to give Him all the honor and all the glory forever. Amen? So as we sing, praise God for what He's done in your life today. Now for those of you in this place who maybe have never placed your faith in Christ, maybe you've never given your life to Him, maybe you're still leaning on your own strength and understanding, I want to ask you that. Where does your strength come from? When you go through trials and distress, as David did and as we all do, where does your strength come from? Do you lean on your own understanding and your own strength, or maybe even other people? We can't do that. We know that people will disappoint us. We're all sinners. People are going to let you down. You're going to fail. You don't have the strength to make it through this life without making mistakes and falling and failing. 
You, you have no righteousness of your own. The only righteousness any of us have is that that's imputed by Jesus Christ. Verses 8-9 through nine that I just read in 1 Peter say, sorry, excuse me, verses 8-9 through nine in our text say, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Don't put your faith and your strength in people, in yourself, in the president, in our rulers. Don't put your faith in your elders of your church. Put your faith in Christ. Trust Him today for the forgiveness of your sins. And don't be like the ones in this text in 1 Peter that reject Jesus. It says that to them, He has become a stumbling block and a rock of offense. See, when we're confronted with the truth of the gospel, confronted with the truth about who Jesus Christ is, we have to do something with that. We can't just ignore it. We either believe in Christ or we reject Him. There is no neutral ground in this. And so today, if you're an unbeliever, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, I'm begging you, confess your sinfulness, confess your weakness, and place your faith in Christ today, not yourself. He died on that cross so that you could be set free from the guilt of sin and death Don't reject Christ. Run to Him today. And when you do, if you do that, then you can sing with us as brothers and sisters about the goodness of God and His deliverance of you. You can do what we're going to do and look back and see how God brought you through that, just as David did in this psalm. Let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to praise the Lord for His goodness today. Sing loud, you guys. Sing out. Remember God's goodness for you. And let's Give Him all our praise today. Amen?